and welcome to St. Louis City Press and International Friendly. I'm your interim host, Chris. I'm here with Drew. How you doing, Drew? Ahoy, hoy. So uh, we've got a an actual rundown today, unlike uh, most episodes. And the first thing that we're going to dive into is that Dallas game. Uh, an exciting, interesting, sort of atypical affair. Uh, what are your your first thoughts on it? True. Okay, Chris. Well, I hope this goes well because so far this recording has already had more false starts than Orlando Pace had his entire career. He was in attendance at that game, by the way, uh, which was great. Not he's no Jackie Joyner Kersey, but he's pretty good. Um, so that game, I think we can both agree that. Well, maybe I shouldn't speak for you. I think that the uh, that game was unimportant until the 12th minute when Dallas goalkeeper Martin Pice had a brain fart and got a red card. And then it went from there. Now you're, you're saying it was Pice who, who's responsible for that situation. I don't entirely disagree, but the commentators on the Apple feed definitely put a lot of the blame on the center back and his sort of indecisiveness and lack of communication or clear communication. Um, so I can see both both being you know held responsible for for it in part, but uh, okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, maybe, I maybe he got put in a tough situation, but he also elected to touch the ball with his hand outside of his own True. area, which yeah. is a, a, a which is an offense. In this case, it was a red card offense. And even if it's happening to the other team, you don't necessarily like to see a game, you know labeled with a big asterisk from the 12th minute like that. Uh, it's sort Maybe of, you don't watching it on Apple TV, but inside the stadium, I can tell you that we really enjoyed it. You enjoyed it. It did not sound from the discussion in the Discord that many of our other normal podcast members enjoyed it. Okay, I'm I'm the person who's not from St. Louis out of all of us and I'm the biggest I'm the I may be the only one but I'm definitely the biggest homer of this whole group. Yeah. And we love it. We need it. We need it to keep us balanced. Uh, yeah, uh I was I was more confident I think than than those aforementioned other people in the the Discord about the eventual outcome. Uh, but it was a totally different game than we're used to watching from the St. Louis uh, City side. Uh, what differences did you uh, really pick up on and notice and think about? Well, to kind of cut to it, after that point, you know, it was 11 on 10. They had to bring up their backup keeper. Uh, we'll get to this. Who's, whose mandate seemed to be to just be as much of a shithauser as possible but um they played the rest of the game basically trying to break but mostly all all of them packed in the into their own half and trying to waste time um you know it wasn't typical of our other games i mean because i mean it was basically a different game at that point you know yeah. you're playing 11 versus 10 you're playing a different game we had Levin who who basically what had had the ball all the time because he is our creative player. Um, everyone else plays directly uh, and often on the counter, often out of possession, whereas he is the one who you know, obviously delivers the set pieces, and we had plenty of those. But he also seemed to be the one who whose job it was to try to figure something out to 
break them down. And there wasn't a whole lot of that. Um, and we just kind of got into that familiar flow for the rest of the first half and first first 20 minutes of the second half. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, it's it's hard to sort of counter press when you have the ball and, and we don't like to have the ball, uh, strictly speaking, for our tactics, uh, our preferred tactics to work uh, their magic. So when we're just passing it around the outside of their their box and trying to you know penetrate, uh, ended up taking a lot of bad low percentage shots and uh, that can be frustrating and I was glad to see us eventually break through with a hardworking uh, Tony Markanic, uh, you know, effort goal. Uh, just being there at the right time and 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 making himself a presence in the box. Yeah, I think um, it felt to me like, especially as the minutes were ticking. You know, when I got to eighty, we. I always, you know, of course I felt confident we were going to win. I always, but even if I thought at some point, I was like, even if we don't win this, we're not going to lose, but it just seemed like something, somehow the ball had to get forced in. And that's what, uh, Markinick's right five was for. Yeah. <laughs> forced in indeed. Yeah. It was, uh, it wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing goal, but it counts. And, and it's really nice to see the new guys on the score sheet. Markanic is uh, padding his stats in in limited minutes, and uh, it's really great to see. Yeah, yeah, he has come off the bench twice as the attacking left back. Um, interesting that you know it's 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 really a fr- a fresh and and nice thing to have. Uh, I think you know we we. We talked to, we've talked about Hebert's uh, limitations offensively um, and Markinick brings us something different. Um, he's also was in the box, which I don't think we would probably get from Hebert, although he was hooked at halftime specifically for that reason. Yeah, it's almost like it seems like he's scared of the box sometimes. He doesn't want to step over that line or something you know, bad might happen. I don't know. He's very leery of... of and I think part of it is just that he's he's right-footed, playing a, a unfamiliar position, going up the flank, and he doesn't have confidence in confidence in that left foot to 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 give him that option to to make it to the touchline and whip in across. So his his options are really limited, and I think he really feels that when he gets close to the box. So, yeah, Chris, you think he's like a child walking down the block, jumping over the seams and the pavement because he doesn't want to fall into hot lava. Yeah. Or break his mother's back, I think is also one of the possibilities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the uh, second, well, I guess the second goal is, a, is a little forward because, but what I, I guess we'll, I'll just lead into it. They had to change because, I mean, I think you said this on the discord and I think I uh, intuitively knew that as well, that, once we break through this, their tactics um, of just trying to suppress us, uh, needle us, kind of have to change instantly. And they yeah, have to they can't waste time. time. They can't waste time for one, and they have to open up and try to 
get down on the other end and score, which they almost did a couple of times. But yeah, their tactics had to change instead of trying not to lose, which is what made it so frustrating for the St. Louis City attack. Uh, they had to then try to score desperately to get any sort of result. So what do you think about this, Chris? I, and this is a thought that is occurring to me right now as we talk about it. In that packed Western Conference, this isn't really something that affects us too much at the top. But all those teams, which I think, because of the way the league is set up and salary cap and parity and whatever, I think those teams sometimes can look pretty good, sometimes can look not so good. And we're getting towards the business end of the season. You can't really faff about you need three points. I think it would, they needed to do, I mean, well, I think in general, these, a lot of teams like Dallas and Minnesota and Vancouver, Salt Lake, San Jose, whatever, all the, that whole bunch, they need to play more high reward, high risk. You know, I, this is something I find very uh, interesting and really exciting about our team. We don't draw games. We've drawn two games all season. And I think part of that is this, uh, idea that, yeah, you play high risk, high reward to a certain extent. We press high. We are often exposed in the back and depend on Berkey to keep us in games. Uh, and that results in two draws all season. And if you look at that, you know, just very uh, even middle of the table all the way down to, uh, what is it? Uh, well, basically 13th place is nine points removed from fifth place in the Western Conference. So um, all of those teams uh, draw a lot of games, which, I, you know, creates that sort of balance and that parity and that, that point parity, I suppose. Uh, but, yeah, I think it all connects. Interesting point, Drew. So second, second goal, I think Eddie Lyons was feeling it. I mean, I think he'd been playing pretty well anyway. Uh, although not so well from from dead balls on, on corners. But he's been playing okay, doing some little moves with the ball to to uh, frustrate defenders without, you know, getting in any particularly dangerous situations until that this one where he crosses it and Klaus makes oh Klaus, by the way, has come on to rapturous applause, dummies it for for uh for oh, the man. for the nookby <laughs> and wow our our two new boys off the mark yeah. yep and what a difference having class back on the pitch makes just in the way we can get through opposing lines uh, i mean this dummy is something no one else on our roster would even conceive of doing i'm convinced maybe alm maybe alm who also had an amazing game uh and has been playing really well in the last two. Uh, it's just really, really good for us in this stretch run to have him back. Um, and uh, Thorson getting on the score sheet, showing what he can do, uh, coming in on that left flank at pace, getting on the end of the balls. I think we're going to see very similar goals from him going forward uh, at the end of the season and hopefully on into next year as well. Really happy for him too. What do you think, uh, having seen a, you know, a couple games of a little bit of Nookvi, what do you think his role is and what do you think he can do? Great question. So um, that 
brings us to a sort of a larger conversation of, of lineups and structure that uh, we've, uh, we've, it's a conversation we got to have after that last pod with you and Nate just going off the handle in terms of tactics and formations and nonsense as far as I'm concerned. I have a lot of points, bones to pick. Uh, Good, but, let's hear it. Uh, so I think what we're going to see is him as a late game impact sub. Uh, coming in and changing our formation because he is a very offensive-minded. He's a striker. He's an inside striker on that left wing. He's right-footed, and he his highlights from his his beer beer shot days. I'm probably mispronouncing that. His time in the Belgian second division. Uh, his highlight reel is. It was just a bunch of century clubs and every day in the locker room. Beer shot after beer shot. Yes, beer shot after beer shot. 6 a.m. starting, yes. Power hours and whatnot. Uh, well, what he did in his highlight reel over and over was get to the corner of the box on that left flank and then cut in on his on his defender. Uh, and he's got some solid sort of you know body fakes and stuff that can put off a defender, uh, especially at this level. And then just cut in and then curl that ball into the far post or into the, the side netting on the on the right side past the keeper. We're going to see that at least attempted and hopefully scored repeatedly. But he can't start games uh, when, uh, I don't know, when Adenarin's on the pitch, when Nico's back. It's just not feasible to have all of our wealth of attacking options on the pitch at, at the same time. We need, we need Alm, in my opinion. We need Stroud, in my opinion, uh, both because... Uh, they're good going forward, but also because they work really hard to get back and cover. Stroud is a very complicated player, but um, I think statistically he's just so good for our system and he's having a career year as well. And let's not forget that. Um, and I just, I don't want to say he's earned it and and let that be how we determine things. But I really like us when he starts and puts in his 60 minutes wears out uh, people on his side and pops up for an assist or a goal every once in a while. He really stretches the field up and down and side to side. So Stroud's important. And Thorson can't really start over Stroud. I don't know if you if you were expecting me to react harshly to that. I am on record as being Stroud neutral. Stroud I'm not neutral. gonna I'm not gonna criticize Stroud. I think he's fine. West you uh, so, anger so the citizens of Chester, New Jersey. And- oh, yeah. You don't want to mess with Chester. So Nookvi, you think he's a, he is a mostly, almost entirely offensive ca- kind of guy, capitalize on tired defenders. Uh, is he a, a playing on the wing, or is he a striker? Uh, so <clears throat> what do we play? We play four and then we play Blome and we have been playing uh Lowen next to Blome in the back and then it, you got your two wing players in Stroud and Alm so that's your middle four and then you got two attackers max uh usually it ends up being some combination of Nico Adenarin and Jackson um and this is not the formation that we we played against. Who did we beat six three? Can't even remember. Austin. Austin. Texas. I think. Uh, 
or is it? I don't know. I don't know. But no, you I'm can't telling really... you, we played Austin. Okay, well, I know that, it. but I, yeah. I, you can't get a Dennerin on the pitch. You can't get Nico on the pitch with Thorison and Jackson. So I think he doesn't start uh, because these other guys have been so good. I don't think Jackson's been great lately. I think he's, his minutes might uh, get curtailed with the reintroduction of Klaus. But um, so it's it's like a it's a what is it? The four. I sense two, some numbers coming. Four two three one essentially a four two three one essentially. So I I guess I um, don't disagree with any formation. I mean I think what I said that maybe you reacted to was the diamond was okay for me because it mostly because it crammed a lot of my favorite guys in, but I don't think that that Vos, Gary Voslev and Aladdin Jackson need to play every single game. Uh, I, we, you know, and it does, even, even without me saying that, which I'm sure Carnell is taking as gospel, he would change the lineups anyway, all the time. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> So I think it's fine with the you know the the this rotation, and I kind of think the more the barrier, and it, maybe it's a good problem to have if you don't know what. What's it's hard to get into form. It's hard to find a groove and make these you know these connections. Uh, you can do it in the training on the training ground, but um, you can't fine tune it again uh, unless you're playing against you know real live opponents and some continuity uh, from game to game is important, I think, at the highest level. But again, we have this system that's very uh, draining for the players. And so we always get a lot of substitutions. He's making, uh, you know, close to the most substitutions of any team in the league. I think a couple, maybe we're third or fourth in that category. So we do rotate a lot in games and that's good. And I think having the options to go to a completely different look in the last 30 minutes, if we need to get a result or at halftime, if we're up a man on a team yeah. that's going to defend in a blow block, those are all. Yeah. It was a triple, things. it was a triple sub at halftime. Uh, and I think you were right when we, there was some discussion on, on our little discord channel about, you know, I said maybe Carnell was kind of, you know, there, I think some of us were thinking that he must be frustrated that we haven't created so many great chances. And it was a reaction to that, that Hebert came off uh, for Markinick and that Nookvi came on for Adenarin. And uh, I, the other one was, I think, Vasilev. I forget who he replaced. But in any case, you pointed out that, no, it's just time for a different look because of the game situation is so different. And maybe those guys will all be back. It next or they're not they're not they're not in the boss's naughty list after mm. that right or is that what you think no because dallas are a good team and uh we started against 11 men and it went down to 10 men and don't forget that if we make the substitutions at halftime they don't count against our you know number of substitution uh times I can't remember allotments or whatever. So it was like, obviously we wanted to get set for the, the 45 minutes 
but also it was the time to do it to preserve the tactical token of possibly making three other rotations later in the game, depending on, you know, game state. You're right. Um, so what do you want to say anything else about what happened post thoughts on time wasting? The uh, goal. Oh yeah. Uh, let's talk about time wasting. They wasted a lot of time. And that's another thing that relates to that, you know, subs- that not being mad at those players or putting them on the naughty list, as you said, we didn't play, but maybe 15 or 18 minutes of actual football against 10 men in the first half, because they just stretched everything out. The goalkeeper got warned for time wasting and still just dragged on those goal kicks, you know, eight, 10 seconds, just standing there waiting. And every time they got an opportunity to, to shit house and one guy threw a ball back on the pitch. Luckily the ref. Yeah. How was the ref? On. I mean, the ref was fine. I'm not complaining about him. He's I, I, but like some of those guys got away with it. The goalie, Jimmy Maurer, by the way, who's the backup goalie, it's on site for me with him. Not that we're going to play Dallas again soon, but just boot. I'm just going to boo that man constantly. <laughs> I mean, he probably won't even play because he's number two. But he would get the he would get the ball and dilly dally, and it was just a it was just a chorus of a hailstorm of boos raining upon that man. He seemed unfazed. Again, I think it was his remit to just get in there and just be a big old jerk. Yeah, not lose uh, and the game. He, yeah. And somehow he managed to avoid a yellow card, which was boggles the mind. You know, interestingly, the the game before, uh, the Orlando game, uh, we had that ref who really liked to be involved in the game, uh, and that was ba- backed up statistically. This ref apparently statistically really likes to not be involved in the game and let play go on. So it's just the maybe the wrong time to have a very permissive <laughs> referee. See, so if he really didn't want to get involved in the game, <laughs> then he should have f- tried to find a way to get a, to get to avoid red carding their goalie in yeah. the 12th minute. Yeah. Can't not do that though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because like that's you've just you <laughs> yeah, the, a, you've changed the game into something else at that point. Again, deserved, I feel, but... Of course. I mean, it's one of the few instances of a handball that's not really divisive or uh, debatable in any way. It's a handball. Chris, I, I don't know if you saw the not the Arsenal game a couple weeks ago or something when Tomoyasu, who came off the bench, was their backup right back, got a yellow card because he was the third man to take a throw-in. They were. They just kept like, <laughs> bringing on different guys to like look around and hold the ball, and then, then finally he was the one who was going to throw it. And by that point, the referee was was sick of it and gave him a yellow card. And then he made like a bad tackle five minutes later and got sent off. And it was like immediate. And I was thinking uh, like that's going to happen here. They didn't get yellow cards for time wasting until I don't know until the second half. Uh, Iara Mendy came on and got a yellow. I think he was the one to finally get he a kick the ball away. Yeah, yeah, and then he got a second yellow and was sent off. But it to, for it to only turn out that it was actually it was actually mistaken identity that time. He the ref red, uh, yellow carded the wrong Dallas player. Uh, I think they were sharing it around, and that was I believe Farfan, the left back, uh, or Farfagnugan, as I've been calling him 
he of the miraculous uh, own goal against Miami. So in general, time wasting is annoying and frustrating and we shouldn't do it. And I was surprised that there were only what five minutes of stoppage time in that second half. That was, that yeah, was there was three the in the first, Three in the first half, five in the second half. Chris, you're a defender. Have you employed the dark arts? Oh yeah, and you do it, and you you, you don't feel, feel bad. Do you feel about good? It can you look in? Can you look into your wife and kids' eyes when you get home after the game? It depends on if I win or not, you know, <laughs> or if I don't lose. <laughs> if my mission is accomplished, then you can hold your head up high. Otherwise, uh, it sullies your soul. And so, so those Dallas players. They 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 got a good night's sleep, unfortunately, that night. Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, do we want to hash it out about XG? Are we gonna Are we gonna dip into this poisoned well of infinite depth? Uh, I think we're we're going to we're gonna put a put a couple of piggies in there. Our our little toads um, should be said. I don't, don't take any pleasure in this at all, but we were up two nil at the end of the game. And uh, for the first time this season, Berkey spilled a rebound right to a player and they scored with basically the last kick of the game. So it was a two, one final. Move yep. on. XG. Yep. yep. Tough, tough last minute for Berkey. I don't like to see it but easy to shake off with the result in hand. Okay. Um, so to frame this next segment, I have uh, an affinity for XG and Drew hates it. What's your, why do you have an affinity? I just, I think it's an interesting use of, I like the implications of all the various uses and permutations of XG, uh, including post-shot XG and single-shot XG and XG, you know, minus actual goals and all of that stuff. I just think it's a very interesting way to view uh, the game and to, to find little individual nuggets of meaning within the, in the game. So I agree with you about the individual nuggets of meaning, but I think it's a terrible way to view the whole game. Why? <clears throat> Sorry, I wasn't just sitting there pausing, waiting for you to ask me why, but since you did, I'll tell you. Okay, uh, do. It's It seems so simple, and maybe this is what not how you use it, but when you look at XG... First, you you see the if you hadn't seen the game, you see the result two to one. You look at the XG, which team has more than the other? Okay, in this case, Dallas had more XG at the end. I think totally misleading, but nevertheless, they did. You think, oh, Dallas probably should have won because they had they had better more expected goals, and then you look and you're like, oh, they had a man down in the twelve minute. Well, St. Louis really. I really uh, blew that, you know, or well, got away with it 
I mean, they they had they didn't deserve to win, and I think that is not the narrative of the game. Um, like, sure, um, it can it can be frustrating, but I I do think that maybe you're underestimating the quality of the chances they did have. Uh, we were we are, especially when we sort of you know sacrifice uh, one of our primary defenders for an entirely, you know, attacking lineup and we restructure our formation to, to play around the box with possession. We are not defensively, you know, impenetrable. And we gave up a lot of good looks that they spurned. Um, I think a lot of, do you think it's a lot of good looks? Because it's, uh, they only had, I believe five shots, two of them on target. And one of them scored, by the way, with the last kick of the game. And that final shot was 0.86 of their 1.36 XG. So that's more than half of their XG for the whole game was that meaningless goal at the end. Okay. And that means that they have, what, 0.5? 0.5 to our 1.07. Okay. So 50% of the time, they score another goal. So, I mean, that's... But then if they but the thing is if they score another goal it's a totally different game. Again, the game changes each time, right? So if they had scored their one goal before we scored any goals, then it would be really tough. However, if they had scored their one goal after we scored our first goal and it was a 1 to 1, what would what would that mean? You know, if they well, scored I think two goals cases, right at the end they get a draw. I don't know. It depends on when the goals are scored, not when the how many how how great of your chances they were. I think if you're already three nil down. Both of those cases, you're looking at almost the exact same game plan from them. Sit behind the ball. If they are defending a draw, they're going to sit behind the ball. If they're defending a win, they're going to sit behind the ball. They're not going to play any more or less defensive with ten players, uh, whether they have the lead or they have a draw i think you know well i guess i'm not arguing that um that there was no way we could have uh wouldn't have conceded i mean we could have conceded but we didn't we were and thus we're not in danger in my mind like if you for example what if there's a game hypothetical game where one team goes up three nil at halftime on three wonder goals that have really low xg and in the second half the other team basically is and then they stop attacking because they're up three nil, and then the other team gets like I don't know a bunch of really good shots in the second half, and then they have a much higher XG at the end. You're like, oh, that team that won three nil got really lucky, didn't deserve it. And it's like, no, the tactics changed because the game changed. But that doesn't affect you know the uh, you know the statement that they got really lucky. I, it's not that they didn't deserve it, but luck was definitely a factor. If you're scoring you know three remarkable low xg goals it's either it either means you have you know leo messi behind a free kick or or some other amazing you know you know once in a career sort of goal situation and that's fine but that is not average that's that is very good and very lucky but so for example like you can choose to stop attacking because you got some goals you know, or you can yeah. choose to go have to go all out. You know, right at the sometimes at the end of games, 
a, the the team that's losing has to go all out. Has to, or for example, has to pull their goalie to go up for a corner kick, and then gets punished on the way back. You know, and so that I, things can look a lot worse or better than they actually are. I think you kind of have to look at the score, um, but also you and and also the relative positions in the tables of these teams. But also, I watched the entire game and I. I guess what I don't like about XG is when it when I've watched the game and then I look at it and it tries to tell and it seems like it's not it's a stat it's not tell, trying to tell me anything but I look at it and I see that it's something it's supporting something that isn't my view of what happened. Okay, well you can have a lot of XG and still lose and that doesn't mean you shouldn't have lost. I I don't know. Like uh I guess I'm just I I would if I were giving you advice, which I you know I'm leery to do uh, about how to you know mend your fences with XG. <laughs> I would say <laughs> let it be an indicator that yeah a team got lucky. It doesn't mean they that you don't deserve to win, uh, and there is more nuance to it. But if you have you know five XG and you've scored zero goals then either you wasted a lot of really good chances, which is bad luck or bad play, depending on what you want to say, or some goalkeeper has just, you know, ruined your week by standing on their head and doing incredible things, uh, a la Berkey in a lot of games this season. Like, he is an X factor. And keep in mind that XG, uh, like an individual shot's XG is based on every player who has taken that sort of shot under those conditions. It's not the player in question who could be better or even worse than, you know, the average middle of the road player, uh, you know, defined by the, the, you know, the huge amount of data that's used to process it. So if they're above average, then yeah, they're probably going to score low XG chances more often, but if they're below average, they're going to waste a lot of high XG chances more often. Yeah. Well, I do appreciate that. I yeah, I guess my gripe was I don't I don't want to feel any less triumphant than I feel H- having had granted in the 12th minute a game-changing um play that ga- gives us gave us a tremendous advantage. I I I will I felt like we were in control of the game and I I guess I just didn't don't like the look of a stat that suggests that we got lucky and we and for some reason you know and the team I don't think I, I don't read good. that from the XG of this game. I don't read that we got lucky. I read that they defended very well for a large stretch of the game and reduced the quality of our chances. And I'm not even sure what the XG of the chances we scored was, but I don't think they okay. were very high. Maybe okay, the Thorson but- one was pretty high. Okay, but then um, all of this requires some nuance and some context. You know, just seeing the stat as is, as if, and it's treated often. I'm not, I guess I'm not citing sources, but it seems like it's treated often as, you know, this tells you what the game was about. Well, to those people doing that, you are fools, you are idiots, and stop doing that. I, well, I, okay. Who, well, who, who just, are we talking to? Don't use XG like it's, it seems in a like bad it needs, way. 
it needs more context, possibly because I don't understand it as so well, but it feels like it needs more context than to just be the first thing underneath. If anything, the actual score, like there's the actual score and then there's the, what the score should have been is what it looks like on the face of it. You gotta, you gotta look at how the goals are are scored. Was it an amazing strike by uh, a player who, you know, used sheer skill and technique to put it somewhere from a place you wouldn't expect it? Was it the goalkeeper, you know, uh, essentially missing the ball when, you know, stepping over it when he he should have picked it up or something. Uh, You know, what, obviously if you look at XG and it says they should have scored three goals, but they only scored one goal, then generally that means they missed some chances, right? Uh, Whether those chances were their own fault or the result of some opposing player doing something great. I mean, I don't know. It, well, yeah, and the basically most of their XG comes from Berkey's mistake at, yeah. in the last second. And that's something that I object to about this stat. That's that seems so prominent. Well, but so let's take that individual shots XG when the ball is there, totally. Cutting out of the the actual you know processing of the XG is Berkey's mistake. We're not even we're not even thinking about that. It's when the ball is that in that place for that a player and all the other defenders, including the goalkeeper, are in the positions that they're in. Right. That's how we're determining that. When the ball falls to a player in that spot, uh, with the opposing players being that far away, then that's how often they score that goal. That's all the XG says. Right. It doesn't say. Berkey made a mistake and we shouldn't, we should, I don't know. I feel like if it's so complicated, should it just be a number that goes with every team with every game and then gets calibrated into something game it's by not, game. Season it's not by an season. assessment of success. It's what would happen in an average game played by average players uh, in this exact situation. Okay. Uh, uh, something hypothetical for narrative creation okay but it's it's all about narrative and feelings and i don't know i think of it as more of an art than a science i mean it's actually a a sport i suppose with athletes before we close this and and please feel free to take one you know final moment to say whatever you need no, to. No, you get the last word. I'm, I, I think I've, I've said the nonsense that I was going to blather about, so it's on you. The, the joy I get from XG is, let's go back to that uh, game in which Nico scored his two goals. And the, the one where he scored off of the rebound, I guess that was against Austin, wasn't it? Correct. He basically spurned the, the .6 five xg shot you know 60 percent of the time you would expect him to score that with the ball at his feet and everyone else in their position he well you're not talking about the one that was saved by the goalie and then he scored off the rebound yes i'm talking about that one so 65 percent of the time he scores it the first time and then like 25 percent of the time he scores it the second time so okay so you're saying he could have given the goalkeeper no chance the first time he just didn't take that good of a shot 
Right. Yeah. Usually, I mean, two out of three times you expect the average player to score that first one, but then he was left with a more challenging shot after that that he buried seemingly easily. So I don't know. It's just it's a very the interesting. Goalie was also sort of left for dead. Nutshell for that yeah. second shot. Well, but he did get up and hustle to get to the ball. And I think that's a, that's somehow taken into account, you know, in the the XG of that second goal is that he was coming from an odd angle and he was on the ground and there was a defender technically closer to the ball than him and the goalkeeper, you know, was left for dead. Yeah, but it's just like an interesting sort of cameo uh, vignette of what you know the the intricacies of XG, and I like that. I like taking those individual moments from, by individual players and saying, well, he should have done better there, but, oh, he made up for it by doing really well with that second one. And I would have no way to really gauge the you know, challenge rating of a given shot without XG, which is okay. how I find it useful and fun. I think one has to be measured in their judgments, which is historically not something those on this podcast, including myself, especially myself, are good at doing. All right, granted. Let's move on. Okay, next on our docket is the KC preview. Let's let's uh, hop on that and and then get out of, out of here. What do you think Great. about KC? Uh, I think I'm gonna go there tomorrow. I, basically, I'm going to bed as soon as we're done talking here. You're taking and a pilgrimage I'm to the soccer capital of America. Waking up early <laughs> to drive down there. You know, um, I got a, yeah, I got a last, I ended up getting a last minute ticket, which is exciting. I'm going by myself. Um, If you look at, I've, you know, this is the first time I've looked at Google Maps. I heard, yes, the stadium is in Kansas, but then I actually like looked, uh, actually looked at it closely and it's like a 25 minute drive from downtown Kansas City. Um, So I contacted a couple of the St. Louis supporters groups to see, how they were going to do it. And they basically said, we have no idea. Just Uber. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I'm just going to drive myself, which seems like a lot to do, Um, but it'll be fun. Anyway, as for their team, tell me what you know, because I, I am, I'm out of the predictions game. Well, I think they're trying desperately to make the playoffs and they uh, are probably going to fall short in that pursuit. Especially if we uh, take the three points off of them, and we do have to play them again later in the season. After the way the first game went, uh, I don't think we have any reason not to be confident. Uh, but they have been putting together some decent results of late. Uh, but like you said, it's it's that weird part of the Western Conference table where all teams seem to be able to beat any other team. Uh, at any given point on any given day. So I don't know. I really don't know or really want to know very much about Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think they're in 11th, um, which doesn't mean that they can't just win two games or whatever that it takes and get in there. Uh, Minnesota, I watched play 
quite badly against Seattle last Sunday and they managed to get a draw and then they've sub they've subsequently won and now they're up in there. Um, so I think it can happen for any of these teams. They should really go for it, but I think as they get desperate, I think we are going to really hurt them even more than we already had. Right. So they, they cannot be conservative. They have to win, right? Oh yeah. Minnesota are up in seventh, uh, Kansas city in 11th, but there's only, Oh, actually, yeah. Uh, sorry. Let's let's say let's use San Jose in eighth on thirty-five. Kansas City is on twenty-nine. So, and there are eight games left. So, they need two wins. And you can't rely on any of these teams not to lose. I mean, say uh, Seattle, the team that we thought were powerful in the beginning of the season that we lost to and felt okay about ourselves losing to them. They have 11 wins and nine losses and only a five goal differential and they're up in third. So I don't, I don't feel like any, I don't think you need to be afraid of anybody in this conference. Agreed. Not at this point. I mean, and and we did play them away and we played LAFC away, uh, I believe. Right. So we have them coming to St. Louis, which is a long road trip for both of them. Something harking back to the Orlando game, that's a pretty long road trip for us. I mean, that's about as long as we ever have to deal with, I'd say. Pretty close, except for maybe Vancouver and maybe Seattle. But uh, uh, so, yeah, they have to yeah, come in. Various, various appendages of the North American continent. Right. Those edge places. Kansas City, not an edge place. Kansas City, right down the highway from St. Louis. This is the Missouri Derby. Uh, I would call it a flyover city, except that compared to the hinterlands, it's like a beautiful metropolis. Right. There's a done that drive so many times <laughs> across yeah. I seventy. Well, uh, statistically, I. I'm not willing to speak about them. I know that they have been better uh, with, uh, who is it? Uh, uh, Alan uh, Polito back in their lineup since he returned from injury. Uh, I think he was just coming back when we played them the first time, and now he's in some form and he's been helping them. Uh, But that's all I really know. The injury thing, it's so, yeah, I'm wrong about it every single time, but it, it is also kind of hard. Like in that Dallas game, yeah, no Jesus Ferreira, and we kind of guessed that from the game before, but no word on his on any injury. Uh, Camungo didn't play, and Alan Velasco, who is like red hot, didn't play, and Ari Paul Ariola, who I think is one of their better players. So it's like I can't really tell who's going to be in the lineup from week to week from these other teams. I, I recall from the last statistical dive I did on Kansas City that they do play down the wings, uh, similar in uh, ways to how Orlando like to take the ball down the wings, which means I think we desperately need uh, that Klaus Alm uh, winger formation uh, to give us some 
sort of first buffer layer before they get to the fullbacks uh, and we can pinch them in and sort of stop their momentum, force them to play through the middle. And um, uh, my gut instinct says that maybe Vasilev should play because uh, he is uh, pretty good at cutting out passes and, and sort of sort of roaming around in that central area and, and sort of like nipping the ball uh, when you know, granted, we are, we are pinning them against the wings and stopping their forward momentum, getting them to play through the interior and then have him uh, cut out the pass and then go on one of his runs and shoot from probably further out than he needs to. Uh, maybe today, <laughs> maybe this game will be the uh, the game when he finally does. You know, I mean, he did. He, he has scored his only two goals of the season against Kansas City. Okay. So hopefully it happens. Um, oh, that's another reason to play. So... I think I really like all of our center backs, but I don't know that we I don't know that we need that many of them on the bench. I think we had Bart Bartlett, Coconut Nilsson, and John Bell on the bench. Uh Josh Yarrow, who we or maybe not we, but I was predicting to eventually make way for Nilsson, had a man of the match performance, can at least contender for man of the match performance against Dallas. Um, I don't know if you agree with that. So where are we headed, do you think, in our defensive line? That's a great question. Um, Parker has just been so good, so he's a lock. Um, uh, I guess, you know, and I, I hate to sort of pass the buck here, but it comes down to how they train um, I'm guessing that's part of why Yarrow got the start over Nilsson. Maybe they're managing his minutes as he comes back, but Nilsson also just looks like a really good defender and uh, has both uh, the body of work and uh, the skill set to, to be one of the best defenders in the league. Yeah, Yarrow's I think it's the it, plan. Though. I think it's the plan that he. I think it's the plan that he's going to be that he, I mean, it was always the plan and that he was going to be the uh, Parker's partner. Uh, and the plan has worked so extremely well so far, but yeah, Yarrow has earned it and you can't, you know what? It doesn't set a good example if you can't fight for your place and earn your place rightfully. You know, I, Going back to the one St. Louis City 2 game that I saw last season uh, live, Yarrow, you know, immediately caught my eye. And I'm just, I thought he played really well. And he uh, he read the game very well uh, and just snuffed out fires before they, they even started. Uh, he is a, it's just a great story of, of the pipeline from City 2 to the starting team. And it's really nice to see him getting these starting minutes. And I don't want to like... Uh, you know, say, hey, thanks, but now we've got this guy who, you know, he was supposed to be there and he's healthy again. Just, it seems a little bit uh, cutthroat. Um, and, but it's a stretch run of a season in which we're in first place. So, I mean, I think if one trains better than the other, then that's the one who starts. And uh, if they play well, then, you know, you you let it ride. He played really well last game. So if, if all things are equal in training, and I would say he starts over Nilsson and the same time, you know, Carnell loves a rotation. So I would like Bartlett. <laughs> Sel- I, would, <laughs> I would like to see Celio get back in the rotation. I think he was playing great 
and the, but then he now he hasn't played since we got back from League's Cup at all. Um, so so I don't know. May, who knows what it, why he isn't playing? But he was the only one who <laughs> did anything in the Club America game. I think he was pretty mm. good. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him get back on the pitch. I just, I mean, if, unless it's a a late game alm substitution, but then you've also got Ostrak fighting for similar minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's tight. It's tight. There's just so much quality now. Mm. Yep. I do think Vasilevs should start. That's my one sort of tepid take on this uh lineup. for 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 jackson uh, what did i say i said did i say ostark or vasilev i meant vasilev i think yeah you did so, yeah and I don't klaus think... for klaus for denneren nico you're keeping on the bench i don't know what st- his status is it i i haven't read anything about that injury yeah who knows um yep i klaus klaus to start for sure I want to see that. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I will make a fool of myself at that Kansas City Stadium, whatever they call it, in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. I mean, whatever. In Kansas. goes without saying. If you're in Kansas, you're in the middle of nowhere. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, and I unfortunately will be in Kansas. Okay. Well, best of luck with that. Uh that, such as it is, is our KC preview. A score it prediction. Mo- it will be the most memorable time I've ever spent in Kansas in my whole life. Fair enough. I will. It will also vicariously be the most memorable time I've spent in Kansas. As I-, <laughs> I will talk about it. Okay. Give me your score prediction, Jeremy. Uh, I think we're going to go on the road and we're going to take them down 3 0. 3 0. Yeah, and, and Gary to score. Gary to start, Gary to score. Uh, I think he's going to score two and that's going to uh, pop it up to four for Ooh. us. Um, you're doubling down. And maybe an unlucky goal against. So 4 1 is my score prediction. Okay. All right. But it will be an unlucky goal. <laughs> as in a low xg opportunity or some other misfortune will uh beyond our control will lead to it okay i thought you meant like it was gonna be unlucky for them like they were gonna score it and then the guy's pants were gonna fall down or something it's gonna yeah, somebody's gonna something blast ba- it into another something bad bed. was something <laughs> bad was gonna happen to them after they scored i scored a goal at our most recent preseason friendly in which um I jumped up for a header that I was not going to get. I was like, I don't know. I was about a foot and a half behind the defender. I was attacking a corner. Uh, and he cleared it right into my head uh, about 18 inches and then about straight into the top corner from my head. So oh, little, congratulations. That's wonderful. A little. You must have felt like a million dong. I mean, that's not very much money. You must have felt like a thousand quadrillion dollars. $47. I felt like $47. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Anything left on the rundown? That's it. We've run it down. We covered it. A tight 55. Nice work, Derby. <laughs> <laughs> all right. To all of our uh, absentee co-hosts, get back here quickly. Save us from ourselves. To all of our fans, please contact us on 
uh, Twitter. Uh, if you don't remember the Twitter address, go back and listen to our last podcast because it was stated there. I don't remember it. No comment. Love you, Chrissy. 